Good morning, everyone. Ah, oh, three of you are awake. Good morning, everyone. Hey, it's great to be with you this morning. Um, we're continuing to look in the book of Revelation. So if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to Revelation and chapter 2, and I'm just going to get something else ready. Thank you for your prayers. And yeah, if you can be praying for us this week, that'll be, be great. Um, the three of us, we're, we're visiting five different churches, so it'll be quite challenging. Um, and uh, yeah, we're expecting God to, to move and do some great things. So if you can pray for us during the week, that'll be, that'll be lovely uh, as well. And uh, thank you for all the chocolate that you've given to me. I promise not to eat it on the EasyJet flight. Um, you'll probably know by the size if I come back really fat whether I've eaten it all. But yeah, thanks for the gifts of chocolate because they do love um, English chocolate in, in Bulgaria. And I hear they came second in the Eurovision Song Contest. That's impressive, isn't it? That's very really good. Right, so we're looking at um, the book of Revelation and uh, chapter 2. I wonder if you have ever read a letter or an email that wasn't sent to you. Have you ever done that? I have, and it can be a bit rude and intrusive, can't it? And um, Yeah, and especially if there's something about you written in that letter or email. Yeah, we don't generally read other people's letters, do we? But we've got letters here um, in chapter 2 of Revelation that were sent to seven different churches. And unlike personal emails, they're there for us to read because they're going to teach us some things um, this morning, I trust. Revelation, as we saw in the first chapter, was all about the revealing of Jesus Christ and the pulling back of the veil of the things that are past, the things that are present, and things that will come. The revealing of Jesus Christ, the only saviour of the world, the one who died and who now lives, the one who is on the throne, the one who has conquered all of our enemies, including death and hell. Everything started with Jesus and everything in the fullness of time will finish with Jesus in the new Jerusalem. That's the context of the book of Revelation. So John sees in his vision, he was in the spirit, and he sees these seven letters to these seven churches which were in western Turkey. At the end of chapter 1, there's that part that talks about the seven stars are the seven angels of the seven churches. And the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So the churches are described as lampstands. So if I can invite Hannah, we're going to have seven people to read this morning. Um, so Hannah's going to read for us uh, the first, uh, about the first church in Revelation chapter 2 and verses 1 to 7. Thank you, Hannah. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Yet to this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate." 
He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in its paradise of God. Thank you. So to Ephesus, Jesus is revealed as the one who holds the stars in his right hand and who walks among the lampstands. The right hand in scripture represents power and strength. The ministering angels and the church are held in the palm of Jesus' hand. He is close to us, whatever. So even if we're imprisoned, which some of these churches were imprisoned, if they suffered and were persecuted, they will be safe in Jesus' hand. Now, at the bottom of this, you should be able to see a text number there in small print. We're going to have that there. If, you want, if you've got any questions, then if you want to text a question to that, we're not going to answer it today, but we will answer your questions during the week, and we may take a, um, a really good question the next Sunday and answer it, because Revelation is a difficult book to understand. Um, so that's that facility there for you if you want to text a question. So Ephesus. Ephesus was a prosperous uh, city, and it was particularly famous for a temple and shrine of the goddess Diana. This church was commended for hard work and toil and endurance. They were not a lazy church. They had not wearied in doing good works. They believed the scripture. They didn't pick and mix what they wanted to believe. They resisted the heretics uh, of the day, and they showed no compromise. They did not tone down or moderate their teaching to, to show tolerance to their society. The Ephesians stayed true to the light that shined, and they were a light that shined in the dark world. However, they were rebuked, and they were rebuked because they had a heart problem. They had abandoned the first love. Their love had grown cold. They backslidden from a passionate love for Jesus. They were faithful, but it was out of duty and not out of love. And that's not a good place to be in, is it? You know, some marriages can be, uh, remain faithful out of duty and not out of love. So they were rebuked for that. In fact, Paul said, didn't he, if I do not have love, I am nothing. So they had lost their passion for Jesus. So the question is, could they find it again? The answer is there for us. Remember how it used to be. Remember where you have fallen from. Remember all that Christ has done for you. Get back to the cross. Love again. Do the works. Realize what I have done for you, Jesus said to them. If not, their witness would be removed. This church listened and regains their first love. And church history tells us that there was still a thriving church there for a number of centuries. So first love, if we've lost it, can be restored. I'd like to invite Ruth to come and read the next passage for us. So the promise to this church was that they would be given access to the tree of life, to have an abundance in the next life. And that's the echoes of the Garden of Eden for us there, isn't it? So Ruth, if you'd like to come and read for us. Ruth's going to read about the church in Smyrna, chapter 2 and verses 8 to 11. of the first and the last who died and came to life I know your tribulation and your poverty but you are rich 
and the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Thank you. <clears throat> Jesus is revealed as the first and the last, the one who died and came back to life. The city of Smyrna was situated by the Aegean Sea. It was described as picturesque as, a, as it sloped down into the sea with splendid buildings and a beautiful climate in summer. Sounds like a great place to go to a holiday, doesn't it? They were commended for being spiritually rich, enduring through trial and pressure and tribulation and poverty for the sake of the gospel. They had been faithful through Roman opposition and Jewish opposition, that's the reference to the synagogue of Satan there, and pagan opposition, particularly the temple worship of the goddess Mother Nature. Nothing changes, does it? There's people that want to worship Mother Nature rather than the Creator, and there's a big difference. Some of this church had lost their jobs and been imprisoned for following and believing in Jesus. Some had even died at the stake. And there was no rebuke or criticism for this church. But they were encouraged to be faithful to the end. They had learnt from the words of Jesus, do not fear what you are about to suffer. They truly had the eternal perspective. If Rob can come forward and he'll read at our next church. But the promise to that church was if they conquered, that they would be given the crown of life. Now there was a hill on Smyrna which was called the crown. And it could be seen as you went into the harbour there. And Jesus says, be faithful and I will give you the crown of life. So every time they went into the harbour, they could see that crown. And that reminded them that what awaited them was a crown in life. Jesus has that beautiful thing waiting for all of us. We will all receive crowns. So Rob is now going to read for us about the church in Pergamon, which is chapter 2, verses 12 to 17. These are the words of him who has the sharp double-edged sword. I know where you live, where Satan has his throne, yet you remain true to my name. You did not renounce your faith in me, even in the days of Antipas, my faithful witness, who was put to death in your city, where Satan lives. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You have people there who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin by eating food sacrificed to idols and by committing sexual immorality. Likewise, you also have those who hold to the teaching of the Nicolaitans. Repent, therefore, otherwise I will soon come to you and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it, known only to him who receives it. Thank you. It's a bit like a history lesson, isn't it, this morning? There's lots of things about the cities. Um, but we learn stuff from history, and that's important, isn't it? 
The city of Pergamon was built on a huge rocky hill with surrounding valleys. Many false gods were worshipped in Pergamon, including Zeus, various gods of healing, and even the Roman emperor. In fact, the Roman emperor referred to himself or had a title of Lord and God, so I guess he had a bit of an ego problem, really. He was seen as the highest power, with the power of the sword to take life. And that chap Antipas that was mentioned, he was a good person, and yet he was hacked to death with a sword because he would not worship the Roman emperor. Therefore, Christ reveals himself to this church as the one who has the sharp, two-edged sword. A few weeks ago, the Americans bombed an area in Pakistan, and it was said to have been one of the biggest bombs known to man. But Jesus has a far superior weapon, a mighty spiritual weapon, the word of God. It must have been horrific in that day to be martyred for your faith, as some were. I feel sure there's extra grace for people when they're in those situations. But the reality is that advance of the gospel often comes when lives have been given in the past. This church were commended to holding fast and not denying faith. They'd kept their faith in hard, hard circumstances. And most of the church in Pergamum faithfully proclaimed Jesus as Lord. However, they were rebuked for some in the church tolerated false teachers who were encouraging sexual and spiritual adultery. They were encouraging idol worship and incense offerings. And this was due to huge pressure on, from society to attend heathen festivals. Non-participation meant you lost your job or you became an outcast. So some in the church compromised. And we need to be ruthless in this area as our society offers so many alternatives which claim to be harmless. So no compromise for a Christian is important. The answer was repent and live. Live life as an overcomer. We can overcome these things. And the whole of the book of Revelation is about Jesus being the overcomer. And we can be overcomers because of what Jesus has done. The promise for those who conquer would be given hidden manna. Now that hidden manna symbolizes the power and provision to overcome. They were also promised a white stone with a new name. What does all that mean? The stone represents holiness, beauty, glory, being cleansed, imperishable and eternal. And because stones are individual, that means that our distinct and unique personalities remain. And the new name that they were given was the name of Christ on their foreheads. And we'll come back to that in later passages in the book of Revelation. But it's interesting to note in the Old Testament, the high priest had the name of Jehovah written on his forehead. And we as Christ's followers, we as his priests, have his name upon us because we belong to Christ. Sam is going to come uh, with our next reading. This is about the church in Thyatira. And it's in Revelation 2, verses 18 to 29. 
And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, the words of the Son of God who has eyes like a flame of fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your works, your love and faith and service and patient endurance and that your latter works exceed the first. But I have this against you, that you tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seducing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her I will throw into great tribulation unless they repent of her works, and I will strike her children dead. And all the churches that know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. But to the rest of you in Thyatira, who do not hold this teaching, who have not learned what some call the deep things of Satan, to you I say, I do not lay on you any other burden, only hold fast what you have until I come. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken into pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you. Jesus is the one who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like burnished bronze. Thyatira was situated in a valley and was a strong military city. Although being in a valley meant it lacked natural fortification, it was an important commercial centre, an ancient trade route. What was particularly of note in this city is that they had members of guilds that controlled the economy. This city traded in wool, linen, leather, and had a thriving garment industry. So I guess it was the next of the day. In society, enormous pressure was put upon people to compromise, particularly in sexual morals. Refusal could cost even employment, as the guilds controlled um, the city. Thyatira was probably the closest to our Western culture today because there was a blurring of what is right and wrong, right and wrong morally and spiritually. This church, though, were commended for their love, their faith, their service, their good works that were motivated by love. However, they were rebuked because there was like a cancer spreading in the church. They were tolerating heresy and sexual immorality and Jezebel. That Jezebel reference there symbolizes control and is taken from the Old Testament Queen Jezebel, who was, wicked, who was a wicked controlling queen. And uh, she actually mixed pagan Baal worship with Old Testament faith. So you can see that blurring of moral and spiritual um, issues there. It was like the church had one foot in the world and one foot in the church. And Jesus is very clear in his teaching, wasn't he, that we can't have two masters. So they were given a strong word to repent. And that's why Jesus is spoken of as having eyes like a flame of fire, because Jesus' eyes penetrate ungodliness. Jesus' eyes penetrate unholiness. But we do live in days of grace, and we are able to repent. The answer for this church, they were told to repent and be intolerant of heresy within the church. And you know, heresy is mostly around the person of Jesus, who Jesus is. 
So we're to be intolerant of heresy. We too are encouraged to deal with issues very quickly. Don't let them take root in our lives and keep away from false teaching. Gail, if you'd like to come. This church was promised, though, uh, that Christ was there to give them authority to overcome. And here we have that theme again of Jesus being the overcomer, and so us as churches can be overcomers. Thank you, Gail. And to the angel of the church in Sardis write, the words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. Remember then what you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you. Jesus, the one who has set the seven spirits of God, the seven stars, this represents the, the completeness of, uh, and perfection of the Holy Spirit. Now, Sardis had strong military fortifications and was described as impregnable. This city was located high on a hill, so easily defended. The citizens were overconfident and proud of their military strength. And of course, uh, every city has its weak points. They were rebuked because they had the reputation of being an alive church, but in fact, that was not the case. They were into dead works, that's works that pleased man. Their lamp, their lampstand, their witness was growing dimmer. They were lethargic and spiritually poor. This church was not persecuted, and there's a good reason for that, because if you're a dead church, you're into dead works, you're not a challenge to uh, the enemy. The answer was, remember and repent, um, and the challenge was, if not, Christ would come like a thief in the night. So the church was encouraged to be awake and alert, to shake off lethargy, and to remain awake. Luke, if you'd like to come forward. But it's promised for those that were faithful, they will be given beautiful white garments, washed white in the blood of the Lamb. And their names never blotted out of the book of life. It was like their names would be in permanent ink. It was indelible. And your name is written in the book of life, as it were, in indelible ink. It cannot be removed. Isaiah talks, doesn't he, about our names being engraved in the palms of God's hand. And that's a wonderful picture for us as well, isn't it? That we are totally safe and secure in his hands. So Luke is going to read about our sixth church, which is Philadelphia. And that's Revelation 3, verses 7 to 13. Thank you. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write this. The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works, 
Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you've kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven and my own new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you. Jesus, who has the keys to open and shut doors. This city was at the crossroads of the world, was situated in a valley. The world were coming to them. They were multicultural, people from different, with different languages all around them, different beliefs, and they were a church that got amongst the people, just as Jesus did. They grasped the opportunities given to them, despite the Jewish scoffers uh, in the synagogue. So Christ actively opened doors for this church. Jesus has keys, you know, to unlock situations. We share the benefit of those keys. No one can close a door that God has opened. Even when this church felt weak, they were strong in him. Even when we are weak, when what is coming against us makes us feel that we have little influence in Christ we can be strong. We're not to concentrate on our little strength or the scoffers or the cynics around us or how great the opposition appears. It's not dependent on us because no one can shut a door that God has given us open openings in. Jesus has all the keys and he uses these keys for our benefit. So this church was commended for its endurance, its faithfulness, its good works, and they kept God's word, and there was no rebuke for them. Jesus will always keep us during trials that come. Jesus will always deal with all of our enemies. The humble become pillars in the temple of God. So we too, as ordinary faithful ones following Jesus, become pillars in God's temple. Joel, if you can come and read to us about the last church. This is the church in Laodicea, and it's Revelation 3, 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot nor cold. Would that you are either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realising that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold, refined by fire, so that you may be rich, and white garments, so that you may clothe yourself, and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen. Salve to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, 
I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you. Jesus is the faithful and true witness from the beginning of time. This church had become proud, looking at their own achievements. They were rich and prosperous. There were millionaires amongst them, not needing anything. They had become lazy in doing good. Their hearts had grown lukewarm. They'd lost their zeal, rapidly becoming spiritually empty. They were no longer on fire for God. They were no longer hot or cold. Now, what's fascinating about Laodicea as a city was its poor water supply. The nearby city of Hierapolis, I assume that's how you pronounce it, had beautiful hot springs with mineral waters in them. Another city nearby Colossae had freezing cold springs. Now, hot springs are great to bathe in with minerals, and cold water is refreshing to drink. Both are good, but Laodicea had a poor water supply. But because of its wealth, what they'd done, they'd built this huge aqueduct from the hot springs to carry the water with the minerals in it to their city. It was about six miles. And by the time it reached Laodicea, it was lukewarm. It was no longer hot springs. And if you drink lukewarm water with minerals in it, it induces vomiting. The church had become lukewarm. It had become tepid, flabby, full of compromise, indifferent. Hence, Jesus warned them, I will spit you out of my mouth. Not a very nice picture, is it? Jesus was nauseated with this church. If things don't change, I will spit you out. Severe words. This church is also described as blind. Laodicea had an advanced eye hospital in the ancient world. And they had eye salve made from plants and flowers that relieved some eye conditions, making the Jesus words to them about them being spiritually blind very pertinent. Jesus heals spiritual blindness. This church then was rebuked for being spiritually blind and lukewarm. The answer again was to repent, come back home. And Jesus is pictured as giving the invitation at the door of our hearts, knocking and asking for us to open and invite him in to eat with him. This scripture is not for the non-Christian, it's for the Christian, it's for us. The invitation is there to open the door. We live in days when Jesus is knocking at the hearts of our door, wanting a closer relationship with us, wanting to come and dine with us. The promise for those who conquer then in this, in this city was that the door would be open to them, that they could eat and fellowship with Christ, that they would sit with Christ and reign on his throne with him. Now that's a whistle-stop tour of these seven churches. I guess you're pretty exhausted, aren't you? Yes? No? Great, right. The last thing I want us to do is I want those who've read to come and pick up the sign that is their church and I want them all to stand across the the front here because I just want to tie this up together for us.
You know, that word rebuke came up lots of times, didn't it? But you know, Jesus rebuked because he loved. And if we receive any rebuke um, from Jesus, as it were, it's because he loves us. And that's important to remember. Can you come right across the front here? That's it. That's lovely. Now, can, I, can we have you in the right order? That is a challenge. Come on, church. Which order do they need to be in? Help them out here. Where does Ephesus need to be? At the beginning. How are we doing? Are we in the right order? We should be Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea. Yes? Great. Now we have this lovely, can you spread out a little bit? We have this lovely picture. That's it, just spread out a little bit. Great. We have this lovely picture of the church being lampstands. And we are lampstands in the, in the town of Helsham. The other churches are lampstands in this town of Helsham. We have this lovely picture of Jesus walking amongst the lampstands. So walking amongst the churches. And that's what Jesus does. He walks among his, his church um, because he's wanting us to, to grow in intimacy and love with him. He's wanting those things that are not right within us to be, uh, to be corrected. And uh, yeah, so we have this lovely picture of Jesus walking amongst the churches. And if you can just pop your flaps down, this is what the churches, the main thing that the churches uh, struggled with. So Ephesus had lost their first love, and they were told, if you repent and be faithful, you'll receive the tree of life. Smyrna, they were the good church. They were not rebuked, and they received the crown of life. Pergamon compromised. But if they repented and remained faithful, they will be given the new name. Thyatira tolerated heresy. If they repented and endured, they begin the morning star. And the morning star represented the presence of God. Sardis, they were rebuked for their cold and dead works. If they repented, they'd receive white garments and their name permanently in the book of life. Philadelphia, they were a good church. No rebuke for them, but they endured. And they were inscribed with the names of God. And Laodicea, lukewarm and blind, if they repented, they had the promise that they would sit and dine with Christ. Thank you so much, uh, team there. So the clear message um, of these letters, I believe, is to be faithful Faithfulness is not a quality our society particularly um, holds dear in these days. So we are to challenge that in being faithful, enduring to the end, living a repentant life, receiving that reward from Christ. Yes, we're saved by grace, absolutely. But then we are called to endure, to be faithful, and to do good works. Can I ask the worship team to, to come back up, please? The other pertinent uh, words that came out time and time again in that reading was, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I'd love to pray for us now. And um, I want us all to pray. And if there's a particular area that you feel that you need 
to repenting. As I'm praying, I just, just want to invite you to stand. Um, and what you're saying in standing is, yes, Lord, I want to change my heart over this. I want to repent from this. I want to be the person you want to be, you want me to be uh, in, in this church. So let's all pray uh, together. As I say, if you want to respond, then I just encourage you just to stand um, as I'm praying. Father, we just thank you so much that you rebuked the church because you love the church so much. And I thank you, Lord, that you want the church to be beautiful and spotless um, uh, on that great wedding feast. And Lord, we want to turn from those things uh, that displease you. And uh, yes, if, if, if you sense you have in your heart a loss of your first love, that you're doing things out of duty, just repent of that now. I just encourage you to stand and turn from that. If you've lost that passion for Jesus, if you're one that you've compromised, maybe morally or spiritually, I encourage you just to stand, just to turn away from that to remain faithful and he promises to give you a new name if you've um, tolerated heresy if you've dabbled with I don't quite believe that in the Bible I believe this but I don't believe that and just in, you need to repent from that I encourage you to stand or if you've been into dead works then turn from those or if there's been some aspect of you being lukewarm. Yeah, let's turn from these things. And because Christ is the overcomer, we can overcome. That's his promise to us. His spirit is there to strengthen us. And just as Christ has overcome, we can overcome all that comes against us. Yeah, so Lord, we turn our hearts afresh to you this morning. Thank you so much that you love us individually. Thank you that you love your church and you have the best for your church. Amen. You have been listening to a sermon from Christchurch Hailsham. For more information or to contact us, visit ChristchurchHailsham.org.